cannot tell you how honored and I'm not going to cry. I'm going to try not to cry. I'm a crier. Um, I can't tell you how humbled and honored I am to be up here and um, that Erica and Aaron asked me to share and just to the leadership here and um, everybody that has been so, so incredibly, um, so incredibly encouraging. We, this is just a really, really special place. Um, but like, like Aaron said, I've had this this message as a message um, for a little while. I actually got the full thing on Name Change Sunday. I wasn't really listening. I was writing this <laughs> writing this sermon out. Sorry, Aaron. Um, but truthfully, this has been a process of well over a year of the Lord um, just sharing sharing His heart with me, taking some blinders off. Um, through different times of prayer and fasting and seeking him, he has shown me these things. And I'm really, really excited to share them here today with you. Um, but before I dive into our message, I did, I did want to give you a little bit of my backstory. Um, so I did uh, grow up cessationist. That's a term we've used a lot here recently. Um, and I did have the Holy Spirit. I often felt nudged. Um, but we did believe that the Holy Spirit only moved in some of the ways that uh, we saw in the early church. My husband and I were both actually raised in the same tradition as Aaron. Um, and although the Lord has brought us to a different place um, and to a different understanding in some of these areas, I was raised and established in faith and molded and refined in our previous church. Um, so I will never speak negatively of that. Um, don't believe anyone should ever speak negatively of a bride of Christ, but that's a different sermon. <laughs> um, but I do believe that in all of my years of diligently and passionately seeking the Lord, seeking and asking and knocking, that it led me here to the active and moving Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ that we just experienced in that worship really come on. <laughs> He is here, and although we knew about the Holy Spirit, um, we really needed to get to know him more intimately and more personally, and I believe the Lord gently and very kindly guided us here to a place where we could truly be led by him, just as it tells us to do in Galatians 5, um, but today I'm specifically going to talk about healing, um, because it is in this body that I have seen healing um, from the Lord in several several areas, several physical ailments, a couple pretty serious diseases, I have seen healing. And um, it's a grace that I prayed for fervently for over four years. Um, but the issues started slipping away one after another when we opened ourselves up to the full work of Jesus in the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really important to me um, because I do want to honor and acknowledge where we were and where we've come from. Um, cessationists can get a bad rap, <laughs> but um, the faith we had before was genuine, and it was of the Lord, and the belief we had in God's goodness and sovereignty, and the people that prayed for me, my family, our church family that prayed for me every single day, and the elders that anointed me 
for four long years, it was all of the Lord, but I will never forget the very first prayer that I received from this church. It was right over here. A group of people I didn't know surrounded me, wept with me in the Lord's compassion and prayed over me and my family in a faith in the spirit of Jesus that changed me. And one after another, my illnesses have dissipated. There's still, yes. <laughs> There's still still some more things that I'm waiting on the Lord, but I am not the same person that I was when I hobbled in here in May of 2021. However, for the last year, even though I have seen incredible healing in my own body, I've seen incredible healing amongst all of you, I was playing the role of devil's advocate, for lack of a better term, but after all that we've seen, I still wasn't fully convinced that healing was for everyone. Maybe it was just for a few select people. I'd hear of other people getting healed and, oh, that's great for them. Maybe God just randomly sometimes does it or maybe he can be talked into it that particular day. I struggled and here's why. <laughs> to be totally honest, my 38-year-old uncle was diagnosed with a horrific cancer. He had been in my life since I was in first grade. And he left behind my aunt and my three young cousins. He was one of my absolute favorite people. He was a lot of people's favorite person. And his faith was so strong. On his bed in hospice, he said he had been on an incredible journey, not because it was an incredible journey, but because of the depth of which they experienced the Lord. God's sufficiency and goodness never wavered in their journey. But I can't count the hours I spent weeping and praying and asking God for a miracle. The amount of times our family gathered to pray over him. The amount of times the church gathered to pray over him, asking God for a miracle. He did get the ultimate miracle. Just as Craig said last week, the greatest gift and the greatest miracle is salvation. And knowing we will forever be in the presence of God, he knew that, we knew that. And I know where my uncle is now. But the very, very real experience for me was that I had seen healing on this earth. I got my miracle here, but he didn't. And I wasn't angry, but I didn't know where God stood on healing. And I think many of you are in the same boat. Despite the healings that we've seen and witnessed, this is an area many, many people struggle with. Guys, I can stand here right now and tell you without a doubt that it is God's will and heart to heal. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But there is a hard mystery that remains with healing. Many don't want to talk about it out of fear. It might let doubt in. But that's not how I roll. I ask questions. I ask a lot of questions and more questions to clarify my questions. <laughs> 
because I know who is more powerful than my questions and my doubt. And I know who can handle my questions and my doubt. And I believe that my theology, your theology, your mindset, my mindset does not have to be perfect in order for the Lord to move. So we wrestle. And just this week, just this past week, a mentor talked about this concept with doubt. You have truth seekers and you have stagnant doubters. Both have questions, but truth seekers will take their questions to Jesus. If we're going to truly be led by the Holy Spirit, we have to wrestle with him. We have to seek Jesus and his answers and what his truth is. A stagnant doubter will sit on their questions, they'll wrestle within themselves, they'll rationalize them with their own experiences, their own thoughts, and they will be closed off to the truth. But guys, in this body, we seek Jesus. And that is what we're going to do today. So I want everyone with questions, (laughs) you're safe here. Take a deep breath and just be open to the heart and the spirit of Jesus. We've already experienced it this morning. He is here. But maybe you're still unsure of God's heart because of how you were raised, because of your experiences. But guys, let me reassure you, you do know his heart. We know his heart. And it's right here. We're going to look in Lamentations. And if you have, but turn on your Bible because we're in that day and age. Turn on your Bible. Open it up whatever you need to do. I would love for you to hold this in your hand. We're going to read it. We're going to come back to it, but it's Lamentations 3, 21 through 25. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new Every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Over the last year, the Lord has kindly shown me three truths about himself that open my eyes to my stagnant doubt and to his heart for healing. And I'm going to share those, and hopefully some of your blinders can come off too. So we're going to start together by looking at Luke 5, 20 through 23. We've all probably heard this message, this this passage, but it's where the man who was paralyzed is taken to Jesus. They lower him down. His friends lower him down in front of Jesus through the roof. And in 520, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. 
So growing up, I heard this often. I've heard this story before. I've read this story. And I just assumed that the paralytic dude got into some mischief and whatever he was doing caused this issue, caused his paralysis. It made sense to me. An action had a consequence. Jesus reversed it by forgiving that sin. But that is not what happens here. A commentary from David Gesick explains it this way. Jesus did not mean that this man was especially sinful or that his paralysis was directly caused by sin. Instead, he addressed the man's greatest need and the common root of all pain and suffering, man's sinful condition. So think about a tree, some kind of a plant. We're going to zero in on that word root. So sin enters the world. If I had a whiteboard, I'd draw it. Not a good draw. I'm not on the I'm not on the art team. It was it's just going to be a circle. So we have a we have a circle here. That's our root. From this root, we ultimately get death. James one tells us the full-grown version of sin is death. But what else comes to kill, steal, and destroy? What else aids in suffering and ineffectiveness and speeds up death? Addiction, mental illness, sexual sin, relational sin, sickness, cancer, paralysis. So Jesus forgave this man's sin, put an X on your root. He destroyed the root. And the Pharisees lost their ever-loving minds. He wasn't following their interpretation of Scripture, but to prove himself... He told the man to walk, and the man walked. Jesus destroyed the root cause of this man's disease and suffering. And where a root is destroyed, nothing can grow from it, right? It doesn't exist. If I destroy the root of a rose bush, what's going to grow there? Nothing. The roses will not continue to grow, and what was there will wither and die. Guys, this is still true today because the root cause of illness and disease will always be sin. Maybe it's a demonic oppression. Maybe it's the consequences of our bodies in a fallen world. Maybe it's consequences of our choices for our bodies in a fallen world. Whatever it is, the root is sin. Jesus' life and death and resurrection came to atone for sin and its consequences. Jesus came to reverse sin and its consequences. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is our first point, is that Jesus destroyed the root cause, which is sin. And when you do a word study on forgiven, because Jesus says your sins are forgiven. It says released from a debt, which is how we often think about it. But it also says to send away, which I thought was really interesting. So think about it like this. In sending away this man's sin, what happens? He's healed. And guys, Jesus doesn't just seek to take away symptoms. It's not a band-aid or what seems to be causing 
the symptoms, he definitively sent away the very origin of the issue because he had the authority and the power to do so. Understanding this made James 5 way more interesting to me because I had adhered to James 5 for years, but I never made this connection. So look here at James 5. James 5, 14. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There is a connection with sin and sickness because without sin, there is no sickness. Jesus died for this. Isaiah tells us, by his wounds we are healed. Psalm 103 says, he forgives all our sin and heals all our diseases. This paralyzed man wasn't the only one who got his sins forgiven that day. Jesus then made it available to every single human. We don't have to desperately beg him for it. He's already offering it for us. His work on the cross completed it. Now this was a duh moment, a light bulb moment. I had never put it together like that, but once I did, it was full light bulb. And if it was for you too, just remember there's no shame in duh moments because that means you're humble and you're learning. Did she just call herself humble? I don't know. I'd been healed. (laughs) At that point, I had already seen healing for a couple issues, but I was still struggling. And after the Lord took that blinder off, my most debilitating symptom resolved just a few months later. I'm going to come back to that that point, though. So our next point, our bodies were created with healing. So stay with me here. God knits you together in your mother's womb. Every fiber of your being, he created you in his image. There's not a part of you he doesn't know about, not a part of you he doesn't put his hands on, but you get out of the womb and you will start walking and you're going to fall down and you're going to skin your knee and it's going to bleed all over the place, but you don't bleed out because God created the process of blood clotting. Now, yes, I know the system can be broken for some. Sin entered the world, jacked some stuff up. Not everyone's clotting system works properly. But God's intention, the way God created our bodies, was to stop the bleeding utilizing a clotting system. Okay, so then you grow up. Your mom takes you to the McDonald's ball pit when those were still a thing. But you don't die from licking the ball that three kids sneezed on. At best, you get a cold. Why? Because God created white blood cells. You have an immune system. Are you tracking with me here? Let's keep, let's keep going. Let's talk about our skin. You have touch receptors in your skin. So you're going to touch something. Your brain's going to signal. If it's fire... 
immediately you're going to jerk away. You don't have to even make the decision like, hey, I should pull my hand back. You're going to immediately do it so your hand doesn't burn off. And if you're out somewhere hot, you're in a desert somewhere, you're going to sweat. Why? So you don't overheat. But now you have a signal for thirst. Why? So you don't dehydrate. And my favorite thing, I did, did go to nursing school, and my favorite thing that I learned in our cardiology courses that made me just marvel at the Lord, but if you have a blockage in your heart, in an artery, your body will make, it can make new passages around that clog. Not credible, so it can still do its job. Who made that? If God didn't want us to heal, we probably wouldn't have made it past the birthing process, let alone toddlerhood. <laughs> Think about all these things. We were created with healing in our DNA because our Creator calls Himself the God who heals. Jehovah Rapha. God didn't create us without the ability to survive on earth. Our bodies were created to survive. Ask any nurse or doctor, does the body want to stay alive? And the answer is yes, because that's how they were designed. Our bodies aren't messing up. I've prayed for so many. We have prayed for so many. <laughs> Guys, our bodies aren't messing up. They're fighting. They're fighting off disease. And this is an important distinction that I didn't believe. I had been sick for so long. I truly believed that my body was just messing up. I got short end of the stick on the, on the body passing out. <laughs> but listen, God created us well with the ability to fight off disease and gave us so many tools to aid in this process as well. Except the world treats our bodies like they're broken, fighting for wellness, like they're broken and needing fixed. And some of us can feel broken, I know. But that belief that bodies are just broken, that's just how they are, actually snowballed from something called the germ theory, and that was just conceptualized in the late 1800s. Once John, our very own John, referred to the 1990s as the late 1900s, so if that doesn't make you feel old. <laughs> but just in, the, just in the 1800s, not that long ago, but our culture now assumes our bodies have no chance of healing. That theory broke into our medical system and even our food supply and our food distribution. And so people believe our bodies are broken with no chance of healing. So we accept the diagnosis. We fill the script. We get the surgeries. We continue on in our chosen lifestyle, believing our actions have no consequence. Now, don't add to my words here, because I know it's, it's out there. Taking medicine or getting a surgery does not mean you don't have faith or you don't believe in God. That's a garbage lie from the enemy, and I don't believe it. I wouldn't have my older sister or two of her children if it weren't for medications. And I'll talk about this in my next point, but don't go there. Because what I'm saying is we can see God's heart for us 
is to be well because he created our bodies to fight for wellness at all costs. It's in our DNA by the God who heals. Soapbox moment here. Sometimes there is a partnering. Don't have enough time to go into this. Um, I am doing a small group. Join any small group. But if you're a woman, um, you can join my small group to go further into this point. Or if you're a man, send your favorite female. But listen, listen, listen to me here. Romans 6 says, Do we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Immediately, he says, by no means. I am not saying eating a Big Mac meal with large fries and a Coke every day is a sin. I'm not. But medically speaking, it's not really helping either. If you are needing healing, make sure you're not mocking grace or just acting a fool. (laughs) He can heal an alcoholic, but what's the point if that person isn't going to show some holy common sense and stay out of the bar. God created our bodies with healing. But if we're overwhelming all the symptoms with crap and toxins and laziness, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. God, God can deliver, but does he want to deliver you so you can continue to say yes to your flesh? No. We might very well have to change our direction and ask him to show us what step we need to take and then do it. Because maybe the miracle isn't taking away your indigestion and sleep problems. Maybe it's developing the fruit of the spirit called self-control so you're not having Doritos and Dr. Pepper in bed. (laughs) Or maybe, maybe it's not being so daggone busy that you don't even have time to make a meal or get proper sleep. We have to take up our cross daily. We have to die to our fleshly desires, and it's going to look different for everyone. So we can't say, oh, they can eat whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. Okay, welcome to life. (laughs) It's personal. It's between you and the Lord. But God created our bodies to work in a very specific, very good way. But if we're constantly going against his design and don't partner with his design, there will be problems. And this is true for any aspect of our lives. You go against him, there will be hardship. Ask the Israelites in the Old Testament. We cannot step away from him and then wonder why we aren't under his protection. You made the choice. But his arms are always open wide for redemption in life circumstances, in health, in relationships. He can redeem and he can restore. Stepping off the soapbox. (laughs) But God created our bodies with healing. Why? He doesn't want us just to stay alive so that we're alive. He had an intentional design an intentional purpose. In Genesis 1, we see that we were created in his image in order to reign and rule over the land. After we've accepted Jesus, 
Matthew 28 tells us we're to go about our days making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we also see in Hebrews 10, we're to be in biblical community. We're supposed to be together, be here, be with each other in life. And in Acts 1 and Luke 10 and Mark 16, we see we are to undo all that the enemy is working to kill, steal, and destroy. We are to push back the darkness and the chaos caused by the enemy. Guys, what army leader wouldn't want his soldiers strong and well? able to focus on their task at hand, not on their malfunctioning body. And who would want those soldiers broken and battered and weak except their enemy? And who but their enemy would want to convince them that they had to stay in the suffering and even help them justify the suffering as just their final destination? This is just it. Guys, God is good in the suffering. He is faithful. He is near. We are never forsaken. I have written so many articles about this topic. He is good. But let me tell you this. You were made for the promised land. You were made for heaven. And the Bible tells us eternity starts now. Death is in our Savior, Jesus Christ is. And who he was is who he still is all the time. He is only ever good. And so we are back to Lamentations 3. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And this is our third point. And that's the nature of God. Because yes, an army leader would want his soldiers strong. But what father doesn't want his children well? God is full of love and mercy and compassion. His steadfast love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. It doesn't change. He was moved by compassion for us in sending Jesus, in Jesus' life, in Jesus' death, in Jesus' resurrection, in giving us the Holy Spirit. He is a good, good Father. But are we believing that in every area of our lives? Are we believing the truth? Are we holding scripture to the highest standard? Or maybe have our hurts and experiences gotten in the way? Or maybe deep down we believe that maybe the Lord has changed? Or it's just not for us? We're going to connect some dots here, so stick with me. The Spirit of God has never been absent from God because God is spirit. Jesus has always been present as well. We see that in John 1. Jesus was there at the beginning. He is not a created being. We see the Trinity is one. Okay, we also see in Hebrews 1 that God's glory and character was revealed in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God revealed in human form. Hebrews 1.3 Hebrews 1.3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in John 5.19-20, I'm going to pull all this together. Just stick with me here. John 5 says, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. We've already talked about this. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are one. And what Jesus did on this earth was what he saw his father doing. And who Jesus was on this earth was who God is. Guys, what was Jesus doing in his earthly ministry so often? Healing the sick and curing diseases. Why? Because God tells us, He is the God who heals. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is love. He is merciful. He is compassionate. And we know that Jesus came to atone for sin and reverse its consequences. What is the root cause of sickness and disease? Sin. Sin. Jesus did what God did because they are one. So we can confidently say that part of God's unchanging character is to heal. And this is the act of a merciful God, a God of love and compassion, showing mercy to his chosen people, his children, the ones he made in his very image, the ones who were suffering at the hand of their enemy with no way out. So he made a way. Psalm 103, 13 through 14 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Listen to this. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. Think about yourself as a parent. Whether you are one or not, doesn't matter. If you have a child suffering, you want to help them. This isn't a far stretch. God is perfect, steadfast in his love. He is merciful. He is compassionate. He's not going to overlook suffering. And we aren't better parents than God. God in the flesh looked upon his people with compassion and mercy, and he healed them. Why would we expect so significantly less than what his physical earthly ministry looked like. I don't know why I expected less. I hoped for more, but I expected less. And I have to wonder, are you expecting less in your life? But guys, is he less merciful? No. Is he less sovereign? No. Is he less compassionate? No. Does he love less or see less or know less or care less? No. Does Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection mean less now because we have the whole Bible? No. Does the power and the working of the Holy Spirit mean less now just because we have the whole Bible? No. He wants us well. 
He's demonstrated it over and over. He died for it. He created us for it. He's given the church gifts to do it. He's given Christians and non-Christians alike the ability to heal through skilled doctors and nurses. He is a good, good father who can and will heal in many different ways because just as Caleb talked about last week, he is, two weeks ago, he is creative and he is seeking after you. He's not interested in a formula. He's interested in your full heart and devotion. Sometimes it is sovereignly that he heals and there's miraculous instant healings. Sometimes it takes a minute. I just got word this morning of someone we prayed over at Revival who this morning woke up and realized the problem was gone. Sometimes there's a withering process of sin's fruit, and it can take days or months. One instance for my foot just took a couple days. Another instance of a very intense autoimmune disease took less than a month, and labs have now confirmed it healed three times over the last year. Praise God. Another instance, which I mentioned earlier in my story, that one took a few months. And I can give you examples from so many on our ministry team. The Lord has healed all at once, or checking off boxes and his perfect timing. He will heal through his sovereignty alone. Or he can work through the gifts that he's given his people. It's his power and authority demonstrated through his servants to glorify Jesus Christ. People can get hung up on this one, and I understand. Acts 3, Peter says it's the power of God to glorify Jesus Christ. It is not who these people are, it's who they have. Others have seen healing by partnering with doctors or counselors or taking medications or accepting a treatment plan. And these professional helps absolutely have a place. And all praise and glory go to our Father who has, in his mercy, given us multiple avenues of healing. God is not limited, and if those things aren't from God, who are they from? Regardless of the timeline or the mode, make no mistake, healing is from God to the glory of Jesus Christ. Out of his abundant love and compassion and mercy for his children, we must believe that or we will only see him as a last resort. And Jesus is no one's last resort. And this is a sidebar here. I am speaking to those today who are questioning healing or needing healed. If you have something in your body that's not functioning quite right, but you're good, then praise God for that grace. There's no shame. I'm not shaming you into coming for healing. It's not how that works. But if you find yourself or a loved one needing healing, know this. His heart is for healing. And you can come to him immediately. You don't have to wait until you've tried everything else first or till you've gotten a first or second opinion. And you keep on seeking him until you have heard an answer because you will hear from him. He always answers his children. It might be through a dream or a vision. It might be through a still, small voice, through a trusted brother or sister in Christ, 
through scripture and he will confirm it. But he wants you whole and he will guide you where you need to go if you stay focused on him. And maybe what you need to do is to simply go to him. And your healing might be all at once and immediate and it will blow your mind and you will never be the same. You will be wrecked and you will be on fire for Jesus and his kingdom forever. And we will praise the Lord. But he might say, it is finished. And there will be a waiting process or a withering process or a process of restoration of what has been broken. Or you might go to the doctor and you might accept their plan. And we praise him every time. And through all of those moments of waiting and partnering, you must see them as an opportunity of refinement. A chance, this is refinement, a chance to become more like Jesus. Because the Lord says, be holy as I am holy. And in that time, you pray, and you partner, and you obey, and you seek his face until you are whole, and you consider this joy, you consider this journey a joy, just like James says. And you'll never be the same then either because of the refinement process that you have been through and the miracle you've experienced. But rest assured, the enemy will be all over you. In your waiting, be watchful. Be on guard. Don't bend his accusation and lies. Don't throw up your hands and decide the Lord must not heal anymore, or it didn't work, or I don't have enough faith. No, you lean in even harder. You take those thoughts captive. Because, guys, healing is not a goal to achieve. It is a gift we receive. And we receive it best when our hearts are aligned to his, when we seek his kingdom first and only. We don't seek him in order to receive healing. Healing isn't our idol. We don't seek him just for the things that he can give us. We seek him, our creator, our sustainer, our savior. We seek him first and only and nothing else. No one else will do. And as we gaze upon his face, we will get what we need because everything we need is found in him. And then what we see in Psalm 73 becomes our heart's cry. Psalm 73 says this, 25 through 28. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. 
He is our reward. He is our good. We find contentment in him because in him we can do all things in want or in plenty, well-fed or hungry. We can do all things in him, by him, through him. And part of him, guys, is the church. You will have to lean into your people. We are not a self-sustaining island. We were created as a body, and we need every part. We lean into their encouragement and their counsel. This is why it's so important to get plugged into a group, to do life with these people, because we will need them, and we will ask others to intercede on our behalf with no shame. There have been so many times where the enemy has whispered shame so heavily that I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to come up here and receive healing from people, receive prayer, sorry, from people who would lovingly and joyfully hold up my arms because they do and they will. It's their joy. But don't do it. Don't believe those lies. You're waiting does not equal wrongdoing. It does not mean you failed. It does not mean you're not enough. Waiting is a joy. It's an opportunity for refinement. And what I'm about to say is true for all hardship, so listen up. In your pruning, the Lord is tenderly holding you up. His eyes never leave you. If I'm pruning my rose bush, I can't just whack at it. It's not going to be effective. You hold it, and you're paying careful, close attention. And we can rest in him, in his sovereignty, in his goodness. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Any potter or sculptor, let me tell you, I put this in here before I knew that we were going to actually have a sculptor up here today. Potter, I'm not sure what it's actually called. Um, My limited knowledge of art. Um, But the process, any potter or sculptor will tell you there is joy in the molding and there is care, care in the becoming. But a lot of times our becoming feels a lot like an undoing. (laughs) But that is the process of sanctification, the process of becoming holy and set apart. And our flesh will not go without a fight. But our goal is to look more like Christ. The goal isn't to live a life free of illness or hardship. Absolutely not. The goal is Jesus. He is our reward, whether here on earth or in his arms. And the enemy will continue to battle. But we stand in the truth that the victory and the authority is ours by Jesus Christ. Guys, in all of this, the Lord promises to make all things good. And one of the very good things that comes from experiencing hardship is seeing his sovereignty, just how powerful he is, and seeing his sufficiency, just how enough he is. But we can't miss either one because of doubt. Or because we are seeking the wrong things. Because it's in these places with the Lord where you will find and experience true, deep love and peace. 
and you will get a better glimpse into who the Lord truly is and who you were meant to be in him. Guys, I know, I know sometimes people aren't healed. We lose people and it's devastating. People suffer in our lives and it's hard to watch. But remember, sometimes people aren't saved. Sometimes parents do everything seemingly right and their children still reject the Lord. But just because one person isn't saved doesn't mean God wants everyone to perish. Just because someone isn't healed doesn't mean the Lord's heart has changed or there is an absence of love or an absence of mercy or that you're doing something wrong. We know God's heart. He's been showing us and telling us since, have you ever noticed this? Adam and Eve's sin and our sin out of the garden, what, is G, what does God do? He makes them clothes. What kind of kindness is that? He could have just been mad at him and like folded his arms and not even looked at him. He made him clothes. He has been showing us his love and compassion and care for us since the beginning. And Jesus showed us in his ministry. He showed us when he took our place on the cross. He showed us what he wanted from us through the gifts we've been given by the Holy Spirit. We know his heart. But we have to believe he is unchanging and he is good. If you find yourself desiring healing... Go to the one who already paid for it with his wounds. Start seeking his face, seeking his glory, seeking deeper intimacy. Stand on his truth every single day. Use it as a weapon against the enemy's lies and attacks just the same as Jesus did in the desert. And remember the truths. We were already created with his healing DNA, he already destroyed the root cause. He offers multiple avenues of healing, and he will guide you. And the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Go, guys, and when you are healed... <laughs> We will praise the name of Jesus Christ and say, great is your faithfulness. And I am speaking to every single person here, but I'm especially speaking to the members of the church, members of our church. Don't wait to come up because you don't want to take a spot. A dear, lovely friend of mine didn't want to come up. She didn't want to take a spot from someone else who might need prayer. And then the Lord called her out. <laughs> he still saw her. But guys, the gifts of the Spirit were given for the church first. To strengthen the church. So these spots, I'm pointing up here. If you're new here, this is where our ministry team stands. These spots are for you first. This is the benefit of being in the Lord. The gifts, are the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are for us. You're not taking anyone's spot. If you need healing, the spot is yours. We're going to go now into a time of ministry.
I'll call the team up in a minute. But to minister to someone just means to meet their needs. And we do that not by our own power, but through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. But first I need to say, if you've never accepted Jesus' sacrifice, if you've never accepted the work he did to destroy the root of sin in your life, if you've never accepted his grace and his love, if you've never made the decision to make him king of every aspect of your life, then I will invite you to come up. Because that's where true healing has to start, and I'm not just talking physical healing. At the end, find someone with a lanyard, and all you have to say is, I'm ready to accept Jesus. They'll take it from there. But our ministry time right now, we're going to share words of knowledge. And if you're new with us here, words of knowledge is a gift of the Spirit. And what happens, the Holy Spirit, our team has been praying into it this week. And the Holy Spirit brings something to mind. It might be a specific illness, might be a specific situation, might be a description of a person. It might even be a name. But when you hear it, respond. Go to someone, or if you don't want to come up, you can raise your hand. You can stand up right where you are. Because what's happening, when you hear that word that applies to your situation, it's Jesus saying, I see you. I have come for you. And just as he said to the 72 when he was sending them out in Luke, when you are healed, know that the kingdom of God is here because the kingdom of God is here because the spirit of Jesus is here. And guys, if your symptoms don't go away, absolutely, immediately continue to seek the Lord's face more fervently than ever before. Not because you're seeking your healing or wellness or those things have become your God, which I was guilty of. I desired healing so much. I was seeking that more than I was seeking the Lord. But we do this because we desire God and an intimacy with him and for the kingdom of God to be demonstrated in your life. And you come up because you have faith in his mighty healing hand. And you can come up for prayer as much as you want. We would love to encourage you and intercede on your behalf. But remember, it's Jesus. He is what you need. We aren't the healers. And we can't have a relationship with Jesus for you. This is your journey with him. Seek him, follow him, and make a move in faith. And if you are hurting, if all of this has struck a chord because you have experienced the mystery, come up. Get prayer. And we will pray and we will encourage you and we will share with you the one who is called the comforter. But whatever you do, come up here expecting to experience your creator. All you need is faith in Jesus' 
and Jesus' ability to do more than we could ask or imagine.